Chapter 66, a Star Wars fiction podcast where we discuss canon, legends, and beyond. This week is a very special time for us because we are finally getting to explore a period we have never explored before. We are starting the High Republic with Light of the Jedi by Charles Sewell. My name is Beth Van Dusen. With me as always are Chad J. Schonk and Ryan Schweck and Another special thing about tonight is that we have a special guest again. Welcome to the show, Arian Gulick. Hey guys, how's it going? We're getting fancy. We're getting guests and stuff. Right? Moving on up. It's crazy. Well, since Chad's already talking, why don't you go ahead and take it away, Chad? I'm always talking. I'm the one who I'm the one who edits this. I know I'm always talking. This is your reminder that this is a book club and not a review show. We're gonna spoil this book, so we're assuming they've either done the reading or don't care. In addition, we're going to probably spoil perhaps the first issue of the High Republic comic and maybe anything else Star Wars, uh, anything else Star Wars, honestly, up into and including the most recent season of The Mandalorian. So that has been your spoiler warning. Ryan, what's what's buzzing on the hole in it? Oh, not too much over the last couple of weeks. I think our biggest thing here, we talked, I guess, on our last episode about Lucasfilm Games has kind of rebranded and we got some additional information about it. Um, they have confirmed that Ubisoft is making an open world Star Wars game. Um, it's kind of what everybody has waited for forever. Uh, everybody assumes it's going to be the bounty hunter game again, but who knows? We'll see. Is this the game that we wanted when it was the, I, I forget, I apologize. I forget her name, but the woman who wrote uncharted. Yes. It's that, like that's the, like the, that we think became Fallen Order or no? And no, and that was something completely different. It was like okay. they were working on thirteen thirteen, which apparently got finished almost and has just never released it. You know, we'll see as time goes on. They also announced an Indiana Jones game, right? Yep, Indiana Jones game. There is a very strong rumor going around the. Um, People who generally know all the video game stuff that a new Knights of the Old Republic game is being made. Um, yes. Oh my goodness. And I'll be EA. in my box. <laughs> yeah, same. Just because EA is not exclusive anymore doesn't mean they're going to stop. Uh, they actually announced today that they will be announcing more games later this year. And people are assuming it will be the sequel to Jedi Outcast. Um, or no, why do I say Jedi Outcast? It's not Jedi Outcast. Fallen Order. It's Fallen Order. You live in the past, man, because you live in the past. Because uh, I want it to be Jedi Outcast. Um, it's a sequel to Fallen Order, a sequel to Squadrons, and Battlefront Three. Is that all? Because EA's got like two tricks, basically, right? Pretty yes. much. And then Lego Batman: The Skywalker Saga will be coming, and it has <laughs> three hundred playable characters. Did you call it Lego Batman the Skywalker Lego, Saga? No, you know Lego Star Wars. <laughs> Lego Batman is always the best one, so it's the one I think of. So Lego Star Wars, just kidding. But yeah, it'll have 300 playable characters, which is pretty nuts. Do we know what this is going to cover, though? Is it just going to be a compilation? Apparently, it's all nine movies. Yeah, it's supposedly like 45 total missions. Yeah. Something absurd like that. So we're assuming it's going to use the original six, and then it's just going to be adding... And there's already a Force Awakens one. So right. are they basically just adding a Last Jedi and a Rise of Skywalker level? They are, but they also said that it's going to flesh out some characters. They particularly mentioned Finn, that there's going to be additional story content. Are the Lego games really known for their really unique storytelling, though? No, they're just fun to play. They're fun, but I, I mean, fleshing out characters through a Lego game doesn't seem intuitive to me. Listen, this is this is Star Wars. It's not always intuitive. Yeah, fair enough. The sequel characters are going to get whatever they can at this point. They're pushed yeah. out of everything. This is what they've got. And then our other news, big news story right now, is that K2SO apparently is not going to be in season one of Andor. Ah, uh, sadness. My guess is season he is going season. to be. Yep, <laughs> instead of the dark saber, <laughs> he's going to poke his little head out. <laughs> and that's what we're going to get. I imagine the scene kind of being like when John Connor finds the Terminator that he sends back, right? It's going to have to be, a, he's going to have to find this droid and he's got to reprogram it and stuff. How awesome would it be if the whole show was just the Terminator with K2SO in the Terminator role <laughs> and Andor like running away from him? 
And then season two is like Terminator 2. Yeah, I mean, I guess that doesn't surprise me that he's not going to be in it. Yeah. But that's about all we got for this week for the news. It's been they they kind of blew their load a couple weeks ago. They're they're good. They're newsed up. Oh, you know what is a funny story actually? I saw apparently there's a small town in England that is very very upset because a giant city has been built. They are assuming it's for Kenobi. Uh, it looks kind of desert plainy esque. But the town is like really, really angry because they said there's all this light pollution and all this stuff. And now they have pictures of it, which I don't know why they'd be mad. It's awesome. It's like a little Tatooine is right there in their backyard. It's like an abandoned quarry. So it's fun. If you want to go see some pictures of it, it looks pretty cool. Can't please anybody. (laughs) Yeah. Um, All right. Well, before we get to the book tonight, I think we wanted to talk a little bit about, like Beth said, this is our first High Republic episode and we're getting into the high republic now so i want to start with what do y'all want the most out of the high republic or what do you hope the high republic will be i it's a cheat to say what i got because i've already read just a little bit of it right i want it to be a relief or, or a release uh, uh something that is far away from all of the let's be honest with this i mean you know, one of the things I've been seeing recently is, um, and we know this, but there's a lot of Star Wars fans who suck. Hmm. Um, True. You don't say. A lot, but, but I mean, like, a lot. Like, giving us a real bad name. It's a, it's a toxic fanhood in a lot of respects, unfortunately. I like the fact that this has nothing to do, I mean, it always has something to do with everything, but I want something that is divorced from all that, that is, in a way, immune to, not to criticism, but immune to that right immune to trying to battle it out over the sequels or or argue about the prequels or all that stuff i just want something that tells me a story with characters that i end up loving and 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 that doesn't have anything to do (laughs) with what we had before i want i basically i want the tales of the jedi comics i agree i think for me the biggest thing is i want the expanded universe again like you said, everything we've seen so far has been within the confines of the movie. I mean, yeah, there are stories that are we didn't see or they explore other characters, but they always relate back somehow. I feel like this is the first time again we're moving out into kind of uncharted territory. This did feel the most expanded universe of everything we've Yeah. Seen. I want a lot more of what we've already gotten. I want competency. <laughs> On, the, on, on whose part? The Jedi or the writers? Both. Okay. <laughs> well, okay. The Jedi and the government. I want there to be able to be diversity and inclusion and not have arguments about whether or not it belongs because who are you to say? You have no frame of reference. You don't get to say whether or not these characters belong because you haven't seen this before. Right. There, there can be... It should be a blank slate. But I want that to keep going. I almost didn't want Yoda to be around, even though he's not in the book. He's mentioned he's briefly shows up in the first comic. I I want the tabula rasa. And I know Yoda's going to have to be there because obviously he's very, very old and has been around and he's already on the council at this point. But I want more of those characters that we can just feel for and have a relationship with. And it's new and it's fresh. It's like dating. We're dating (laughs) Star Wars now. We're, we're in the six, first six months honeymoon phase. I got basically everything I wanted, which was like new stuff to dig into. My main concern was just like Beth. I was worried that this would be the Yoda show since he was alive and around during that time. But like they, they handled it as well as you could hope. They're just like, oh, Yoda just kind of does his own thing and he's off whatever. So that was refreshing. They found a way to... Have him around, but not have him around. Yeah. He's going to be more prevalent in the children's comic book series from IDW, the Star Wars Adventures things, which I think is going to be about him and his younglings traveling around. So, Which is a genius move. Like, put the recognizable character in the kid's book that want to see him. and They'll think it's Grogu anyway. Right. (laughs) (laughs) We don't know that it isn't. Okay, we're not going to get into that again. Uh, (laughs) Okay, sorry, sorry. We're not going to get into that. Well, let's get started then. 
All right, let me, let me get my old. I, again, I tried to keep it as succinct as possible. <laughs> Dude, I had to edit our summaries for Aftermath. Oh my God, I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> I'm really sorry. I did them both in the same day. I edited both of our Aftermath episodes in the same day. I was like, oh my God. <laughs> hey, yeah. I was sober when I did that summary. I'm sorry. <laughs> and it's still all over the place. I know. They're tough books to summarize. It's the worst thing I've ever done. I'm sorry about that. <laughs> well, this will not be as bad. For a thousand generations, the Jedi Knights were guardians of peace and justice in the Old Republic. Well, we've never seen those guys. In Light of the Jedi by Charles Soule, we go back about 200 years and actually get to see a working Republic and Jedi who don't make a galaxy worse for being there. <laughs> when the fr uh, freighter Legacy Run is destroyed in hyperspace and sends debris flying through space... The Republic and the Jedi mount a rescue mission to save the survivors of the ship and anyone getting in its way. For about the first third of the book, we follow the rescue mission in the Hitzel system, where most of the debris exits hyperspace, heading to destroy the Fruited Moon and the Rooted Moon, proving you can only do one thing at a time in the Star Wars universe. Led by Jedi Master Ava Chris, whose Force abilities allow her to connect Jedi and their plans, various Jedi and Hensel natives, like a technician named Kevin, are able to save the planets in the system and rescue the people aboard. However, this is just the beginning of the great disasters. More exit pieces exit hyperspace in what are called emergences, killing millions in the process. Looking to take advantage are the, the Nile, a space pirate pyramid scheme, who are able to travel through <laughs> hyperspace on paths provided them by the I, Manchurian Row, once again proving no one knows how hyperspace works. Would you say it sends them skipping through hyperspace, Ryan? Get ready when you read the children's book, They Hyperspace Skip. <laughs> <laughs> These paths allow the nil to appear and disappear without a trace. Not knowing the paths come from the captive Mari Santeca, who not only pro provides the path, but is also able to predict when the emergencies will happen next. Using this information, Tempest runner Kasiv, who obviously has not read the Tarkin novel, decides to extort the Iridu system from stopping an emergence. But when he miscalculates, he destroys a few more million people. If you haven't caught on, lots of people die in this book. A lot of people die. A lot of people. The Jedi Republic are also working on their own way to predict the emergences with a great array of mini droids provided to them by Kevin. And the Santaka family, <laughs> who link hundreds together with the help of Jedi, who can apparently now control the weather like Storm. Yeah, they can. Are able to save anything in the way of space junk through vague force powers. In order to get more money for the Nile, Panali, another Tempest runner, is allowed to go kidnap some random people, which at first seems like a very strange addition to the book, till you find out it was all set up by Matrian Rowe to get his own Jedi. Loden Greatstar, who is probably my favorite new Jedi, who spends the book training his Padawan by just throwing him out of things and hoping he doesn't stop. <laughs> Worst master ever. Or the best. Yeah. Or the best. In the end, he's captured by Roe, who reveals his dastardly plan while he locks him up and tortures him, and then vaguely threatens him with a glowing purple stick. In the great finale... <laughs> would, would you say he's got the magic stick? <laughs> I don't know what that thing was. Roe also sets up his Tempest Runner Kevin in a giant space battle with the Jedi, who amazingly fail even though they try to defend themselves by throwing their own poop out of their ships. The Republic believes the Nile are defeated and opens up the Starlight Beacon with Master Chris at the Marshal to spread light of the Republic in the Outer Rim. The end. No, that was good. That was good. That summed it up. And the first thing to talk about this book really is the actual like setup of the book. I was really surprised. That, I mean, really the first third of this book is just stopping the first, first emergence. Yeah. I thought it was a really effective way to get to know kind of all the Jedi and Kevin. <laughs> I wanted it to be the whole book. Me too. Like, I mean, I ended up liking the whole book, but when it was over, I was kind of bummed. Cause I was like, how amazing would it be? 
if the entire story was this rescue mission. That would have been pretty cool. And we learned everything about these Jedi and everything about these characters during it. You can have flashbacks, you can do things. But the whole thing being this rescue mission, because it was so intense, the moment the Jedi show up, because it's how many chapters in until the Jedi actually show up? It's a several, right? Yeah, like they, they don't show up for like the first... 30-ish pages almost like right. it's the the third horizon or whatever it is yeah shift shows up with them so and they literally pull like an on your left right where they just there's the crackle and then uh we're a jedi we're here to save you or whatever yeah. we're, we're here to help oh yeah here it is chapter four yeah that's what it, at the end of chapter three this is jedi master ever chris help is on the way i actually got goosebumps at that moment because i was like oh yeah this is what this is going to do it's going to show us some really cool jedi it was fantastic. Can can we talk about the opening crawl, as it were? It's a time of peace. Have we ever heard <laughs> that before? We've never ever heard that before. Not in current canon, no. Made, like maybe it, it just made me relax a little bit. Like, like oh. kinda, oh, kinda is the beginning of Phantom Menace, but also not really. It's like it's a time of peace, but evilness lurking. I, I think when you start the like the Tales of the Jedi books, it's kind of a time of peace. Um, it's it's been a while since you know anything big has happened those books end up being about the great sith war which is referenced in this book yeah so we get to see them actually being they're more like superheroes the the superheroes that we always thought they were they were not the useless bureaucrats that they ended up being yeah and the republic like defers to them so much like they just kind of go yeah this is y'all's thing go for it (laughs) and let them go i think it was really effective how they characterized everybody during the disaster without like you know they didn't have to go through and explain you knew who chris was you knew who uh great storm was because of how he acted and bell and all these people they even lose a couple jedi in the rescue effort yep and i actually cared right i cared when it happened and i didn't know them but sul had done a really good job making me like these characters just in their cockpits and just the fact that they just showed up to rescue everybody made me like all of them. And we're back to Jedi. And we got a little bit of this, I think, with the prequel books where, you know, some Jedi can do things others can't. But we're kind of back to they have one specific thing they're really good at that other ones can't do. And I don't feel like we haven't seen that in a while. Jedi, Jedi are like planets. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it also emphasized the Jedi interacting with the force in different ways mm-hmm. chris sees the force like a song you know here's the like, music you know everybody's got their different way of interacting with it and and yeah i think that goes along with some are better than others you know right they don't use the phrase jedi battle meditation but chris just does jedi battle meditation right oh yeah yeah it's like yeah. some it's jedi battle meditation with some sort of like added force meld thing i don't know and some music so i guess it's like what iron eagle i don't know yeah <laughs> puts a little tape deck on her on your yeah. thigh thanks Chad. yeah i thought they did a really good job of showing us jedi that just want to help yeah. <laughs> you know but they're also individuals in a way that they're not 200 years later yeah like they well he did a great job of characterizing them like uh Porter Engel. Like, I want to know more about that. Oh, yeah. And his nine egg soup. (laughs) Yeah, I'm I'm not sure about nine eggs in my soup, but I do want to know more of that dude's history. Well, on a planet that's only one thing, how do you get nine different eggs? I bet Yoda loves the nine egg soup. I mean, just from what we know about his species. (laughs) I bet Yoda's totally down for the nine egg soup. I really like a whole book about Elzar now, the experimental Jedi. Like, they kind of hint at things that he's trying, but they don't ever come out and say exactly what he's doing. I mean, I get the feeling we'll talk about this at the end where it might be going. But yeah, I thought he was real interesting. I kind of thought they all were. Like, yeah, I liked I liked that they. I can't bring them all up by name because I've only read the book once, and I I actually plan on reading it again, which you guys know I don't really do because I want to absorb these characters a little bit more because they're going to be important for a little while here. We got we got a we got a good amount of time we're going to spend with them. Yeah, because they're appearing across different, like they're going to be in the comics, I'm guessing, and the other books. And the other books, and there's three phases of this whole thing. It's like there's like kind of a trilogy within the structure of the High Republic. 
I really enjoyed how they they're less dogmatic than the Jedi we come to know in the prequels. They allow for more individualist thought. They're kind of like a bunch of Qui-Gons in a way or like there's a lot of quiet it or like Qui-Gon would have gotten along really well during this yeah. time. Yes. Well, d- during a disaster, they all just show up. Nobody discusses it in committee. Nobody asks permission. They all just show up. Or or even if they're not nearby, they connect through the force and go, like, oh, crap, somebody needs us. This is before the Republic made them sign the Sokovia Accords. <laughs> um, so they don't have that permission. <laughs> and one thing I'm interested in saying, and I'm surprised it didn't go come out in this book, and it's in Test of Courage a little bit, they mention it. But apparently in High Republic, there's this new idea of the Wayseeker Jedi that's going to be a big thing in High Republic where you're just a Jedi and you kind of leave and go do your own thing. And that's kind of what they say Yoda is. Right. He's kind of doing that thing right now with kids, but He's yeah. He's on a walkabout. The clothing also, I thought was really interesting as far as that, you know, they, on the cover of the book, you know, they're in these robes and a lot of the book, they wear these white robes with the cape, but they make it very clear that they're just wearing that because they're going to the, you know, opening ceremony of, the star, whatever it is, that they don't wear this. They talk about a bunch of them wear just normal clothes. They don't wear the Jedi robes. Something bad's going to happen to the Jedi, I think. And that is why we end up only wearing robes and not loving one another. (laughs) Yes, it does feel like this is the, while it, it seems like a new era and this new kind of birth of something that we're witnessing, and it is, it also feels like this might be the story of the beginning of the end. Yeah, we don't know yet because I think, well, no, there's I would say there's one character that comes through this pretty scathed. I was going to say everyone comes through unscathed, but no, there's one character that's very emotionally damaged by the end of this. I don't think we know what the event is yet, obviously, but something is going to take these heroic Jedi and have the entire order make a turn. I I, I do feel like that the, the writers have made the same connection that a lot of us have, which is. It's actually okay that the Jedi and the prequels weren't very good. It's actually part of the story. And I think a lot of people, you know, they look at how useless those characters are or whatever. And but when you take a step back, you go, yeah, the whole Republic was falling apart. And they're part of the Republic. I do have a question. Does 200 years seem like enough time? Nope. I mean... So much of the galaxy is left unexplored. Yeah, I don't know. They, I mean, even the Outer Rim, by the time you get to the prequels, the Republic isn't out on Tatooine. I mean, they say no. they are, but there's slaves out there, and they talk about they don't come out here. No, but it's a spaceport that people go in and out of all the time. Like, it, you yeah. know. I, I don't know. I, I'm also used to, in Legends, where we had Knights of the Old Republic, and we had Tales of the Jedi, that those were thousands of years before. So 200 years just seems like such a small amount of time to me especially when you're talking about, you know, cataloging a galaxy. It's what, three three normal human lifetimes, maybe four, yeah. if people aren't living very long. It's a, it's not even a portion of a Yoda lifetime, but for people, that's that's not a lot of time. That's not a lot of generations for things to fall apart that badly. I feel like personally that the galaxy, the known galaxy, isn't big enough for it to only be 200 years ago. Like, I would expect this maybe a thousand years ago. Yeah. They also don't know how hyperspace works, so maybe they figured it out during this time. Because they say multiple times that nobody knows how hyperspace works. To be fair, neither did Lucas, neither did any Star Wars writers, (laughs) filmmakers. Nobody knows how hyperspace works. It works how you want the story to. Look, for some reason, the paths make you go sideways, and that's not allowed. I don't really understand it either. (laughs) So let's talk let's talk a little bit about that, about the the great disaster. What did we think about that as the inciting kind of starting with this catastrophe? I really liked it because it's not this like crazy, you know, they could have gone with a planet that shoots a laser beam that destroys a planet. You know, that would be cool. Someone should do that. A moon gun, if you will. (laughs) I like it that uh, old Roe just parked a ship in hyperspace and let something run into it. And then step back and just watched what happened. Yeah. We start off by killing a lot of people. It's true. Like almost immediately we kill. Well, as you pointed out, Ben, it can only be a time of peace for so long. We have we have a story to tell. He didn't outwardly murder all those people. The ship broke apart. 
because there was something parked in the middle of the road. It was like hitting a deer. They just swerved. They swerved too late. A lot of people died in that minivan. But the last act of Age of Ultron was like a giant middle finger to Man of Steel. Because mm-hmm. the entire last act of Age of Ultron is they're trying to beat Ultron and they're in this city that's going to fall. But the mission is save everyone. Right. And it came right after Man of Steel where all the criticism was Superman does nothing to save anyone. and probably kills thousands of people while he's fighting Zod. This felt like a, a very clear effort to create a new vision of Jedi, but also to give us them saving people and mm-hmm. not being warriors. Well, it, it, it all played into the uh, the concept of uh, the Chancellor's view of the Republic, where, you know, everybody keeps saying we're all the Republic. Like, that's their slogan, so. Saving people can be as exhilarating as killing people, but writers don't tend to realize that, is all. And, and so the fact that this was a rescue mission by them, when most of the time, when we've seen Jedi assembled in mass, at least, you know, in current canon, We've only seen them as fighting a war. And in this case, they're coming to the rescue and doing impossible things to save people. One, two, three, push. Yeah. And it, it, but it felt conscious is all I'm saying. It felt like yeah. a, it, it felt like a decision. Like, this is how we're going to present our Jedi. Uh, I'm curious if, uh, Shwek, are you upset that somebody else has a yellow lightsaber? It's a bunch <laughs> of BS right there. That's fine. <laughs> we all know who that is. Low grade term is awesome. I really like it. <laughs> and he's he's got a yellow lightsaber. I'm just saying you have a type. I like Lone Great Star. I thought he was hilarious. How he just keeps like pushing Bell out and being like, eh, see what happens here. <laughs> like, you're you're going to figure it out yeah. or you won't, buddy. Book that had some humor in it. I wouldn't call it a funny book, but it does have humor like that stuff. I thought, yeah. you know. And again, that's also kind of playing on what we, even though like, we see the Jedi do that so much in the prequels with, you know, Anakin just dropping out of speeders and everything. And Ahsoka does it in the Clone Wars. So the uh, so I like the idea that to be a Jedi, like, I'm supposed to just jump out of here. What are you talking about? I'm just supposed to fall. What do you what do you mean? And it's like because we've seen Jedi do that a bunch. But someone you have to learn it eventually. You have to do it for the first time. And that probably sucks. So speaking of the Republic that we talked about, there, I do have a note. I thought Chancellor, what is it? It's Alina So, I guess. Yeah, Alina So. Yeah. yeah. Chancellor yeah. Alina So is sketchy AF. <laughs> She's a little too good. Yeah. yeah. Outwardly, you're supposed to think she yeah. is. And I don't trust any Star Wars character that walks around with animals. They're always bad. Only the bad guys. Yeah. They're described as being taller than her. Now, unless unless she's like ten inches tall, those are some mm-hmm. big cats, and that's scary. Yeah. And she's I'm getting some Ozymandias, uh, <laughs> uh-huh. cat vibes yeah. Yeah. going yeah. on. <laughs> and that whole scene at the uh, what was it? The is it Monument Rock? Is that what they call it? The scene where she's on Coruscant, and only the top of the what's left of the planet is there, and she's you know talking about how all this great stuff that got built, and blah 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 blah. She's sketchy. Well, you know, she's working. She's trying to <laughs> complete her great works. Yeah. Yeah. The great yeah. works. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's just kind of got this almost, um, almost this kind of Roosevelt thing that she has this, you know, where she's trying to rebuild the Republic outwardly. She's trying to help the Republic, but what it feels like is she's trying to be a great, she's trying to get a, you know, yeah. capital G great person and, and make it, make her impression on the galaxy. She wants to be the emperor. She's just going about it a different way. We we are all the Republic starts to sound a little like like I'm pushing uh-huh. this as my new nickname. Well, and like you see at the end, like Martian Rogue, when he transforms the Nile into his own private army, that he uses the same like slogan. He just says, We are all the Nile. So it's it's an interesting mirror up to the Republic. Yeah, I'll be interested to see how much how big of a part of the story she is, the chancellor is. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I think they spent enough time on her in the book to make us realize that there's more going on. I, but I, I don't want her to have a sheave turn. I think that's too obvious. It's too easy. And obviously we've seen it. I don't think it'll be that. I, I agree. I don't trust her, but I don't necessarily think her intent is like. Yeah. Galactic domination. I'm yeah. hoping it's more hubris. I think like the really bad thing is going to happen with some Jedi doing something they shouldn't do. Yeah. 
My my money's on Elzar, man. That's my guess. Elzar's going to figure something out or how to do something, and it's going to cause issues. Could that also be why the Jedi that we know from later are much more reluctant to act as well? You know, that like maybe this is also going to be the story about how they became a little less interventionalist. And see, I kind of think that was so too. Like, is she going to start asking them to intervene too much and something's going to go wrong? Right. And they back away. Yeah. It's one story, so it's way too early, but it is interesting because we know an endpoint. Yeah. Right? Like, you know, a hundred and whatever, eighty yeah. years later into the future, we know what the Jedi are like, and they're not like this. But that's great because that lets us still have a story that we care about the characters in, but still somewhat relate it to the bigger picture. Right? There's still a little bit of it that relates to the bigger picture, but it's far enough distance that we can just tell our own story with our yeah, own Yeah, it's it's not like a current book or a recent book that is tied to the prequels where you're like, okay, well, this person's obviously going to die because I never heard about them again in the movies or any current book about that movie. So these yeah. characters could live their entire lifetimes during the High Republic, and, and we don't have to go, yeah, they're going to die horribly. <laughs> Every one of these characters is going to die, but it doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to die some kind of horrible, tragic death. We need to talk about Kevin. <laughs> oh, Kevin. The, the true hero. The true hero. He really was the nerd. The t- the IT yeah. support guy. Yeah. I like the image of all these astromech droids. In a field. <laughs> yeah. Like a solar array. Yes, that's how I pictured it. It was like little little uh, solar pops. Yeah, like a scene out of contact or something. Yes. Like just like some, it's just, I thought that was, I thought that was really neat. And when they started catching on fire, yeah, I thought that was fun. But I liked that. I liked that the Jedi were like, all right, well, let's make it rain. <laughs> Y'all, Kevin needs our help. Yeah. yeah. Only Kevin can save us now. <laughs> <laughs> no, there is another Kevin. But just wait till you get to Test of Courage where you get to meet Master Douglas. Master Douglas <laughs> is mentioned in the book because it stuck out to me. I was like, Douglas. Oh, they mentioned Master Douglas? Yeah. I, I read him in the opposite order. Oh, man. <laughs> they only mentioned him, but I read it. I was like, wait, Kevin and Douglas out here saving the world? <laughs> you know, they can't They can't all be. They can't all be a load in Great Storm. Yeah. Obi-Wan went by Ben. You know, it's pretty, it's pretty earthy. Oh, Kevin. <laughs> I, I liked him. I thought he was cool. I thought it was, yeah. I thought it was a neat character to have this, this super, this, you know, super genius. Who I think we're going to see more of. I, I liked the yeah. short lived heroic crew that tried to save all the people on one of the ships that oh, was blowing up. Yeah. The captain gave his life so that his crew could get away and live. Oh yeah. Uh, Ensign, Ensign yes. Peebles. Mm-hmm. And, uh. The other guy, his name, I, I forget. don't remember his name either, which is sad that the captain was a good character who gave his life, and I don't remember his name. But to be fair, there are a lot of characters in this book. And there are a lot of captains who give their lives. Yeah. <laughs> there's, at least, there's at least one more. Yeah. I thought the countdown to impact, or countdown to the incident, was very effective. Yes. Yes. The first third of the book definitely feels very comic booky. Later chapters too, but like later on in the book, some characters come together and are doing stuff. But like you have every every chapter is like a different set of characters for like the first six or seven chapters almost. Yeah. It feels like you meet your new Jedi one at a time, basically as they enter into the rescue effort, and so it's kind of a cool way to introduce all of them in their different roles in this giant event. I feel like if they'd been introduced all together in one big section, like here's this guy and this guy and this guy and this guy, you wouldn't have felt for them or, or known or cared about who they were. But because they're introduced one at a time, you get a feel for each one of them individually before they all come together to do their super one, two, three push. They also do a pretty good job of setting up at least two characters that I was pretty sure we're going to be big characters yeah, and that don't make it out of the book. I wonder if you mentioned it, Beth, the, the time of peace. When's the last time a Jedi was maybe killed? You know, that can also be something that's going to shake them is when's the last time they were literally losing Jedi like this? If it's been a time of peace, they lose some of that, that battle in the end. Yeah. Once they start jumping around with their little path things, their path drives. They not only lose a Jedi, they lose a member of the council and like, they probably haven't lost one of those in hundreds of years. Yeah. I like this idea that this is this change in 
the norm for the Jedi, which is, again, what an inciting incident is, right? That's why we're starting the story now. I love the idea that you could, you know, you can trace the fall of Rome to like 200 years before Rome fell. I love the idea of kind of tracing this, Mm -hmm. you know, and saying like, is this, is this the moment that actually tipped the scales 200 years from now? I think that's cool. Whether it is or isn't. Yeah. Let's talk about, we haven't talked about them too much. The the old nil. Space punks. Well, and that ties into what may be the worst thing ever in a Star Wars book in a long time. Uh Did you catch what the nil listened to? Uh Uh-huh. Because there's a, there's a paragraph on it. Is it is it dubstep? <laughs> it's called wreck punk, <laughs> and they make it by using instruments made by the starships they destroy. Yeah, that's pretty dumb. I was like, oh come so on. So in man. the audiobook that I have since returned, they play. Oh, you got to hear some wreck yes, punk. Yes, but it's not. It's just somebody's idea of what. It's a boomer's idea of what punk is. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds. Kind to be fair, of. boomers invented punk, but okay. <laughs> a boomer's current idea of what space punk would be. That's always been weird in Star Wars, man, though, is like music has always been something they've struggled, I think, to make yeah. fit, you know, like having bands and stuff, you know, outside of, I guess, outside of the movies. I don't know. Trying mm-hmm. to describe a musical style in Star Wars is probably kind of strange. I know I brought this up in the last episode, but the music actually does sound like the guys playing instruments on their cars in fury road <laughs> that's what the music sounds like it it sounds like we're listening to war boys that's okay in space i liked taser face i thought he was a fun character <laughs> <laughs> i mean what was his name karis sorry i think it's karis yeah Cassif. 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 yeah he, he was just taser face to me the whole time that's just what i called him. <laughs> i mean yeah he he was he's definitely the taser face of star wars yeah i liked it I, I like yeah. I liked him. He was he was smarter than they gave him credit for. Was he? I don't think he was. I thought he was until the end. <laughs> so the he got played. He got played. Even the smart Niall Tempest, Lorna D ended up getting played by Roe. So yeah. we have to throw out I think we what we've learned in the last five years, and definitely with this, is we just gotta throw out everything we thought we knew about hyperspace. <laughs> what did we know? No, there's a lot of stuff about how long it takes to travel in hyperspace, the rules. There's tons of stuff in books and everything. Yeah. So there used to be rules. They they tossed all that out with Disney, right? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Is like in the last five years, like I think we have to just come to terms with what hyperspace is now, which is not just moving the speed of light. Right. It is a parallel dimension. It right. has a life of its own almost. You know, it's almost an extension of the force at times. We've seen in Thrawn, right? We've seen that that force sensitivity allows you to to navigate it better. All right, let's talk about that then. Because there's a big difference between what the Chiss do and then what Vader did yeah. versus what Mari is doing in this book. Because in that one, I always got the feeling the Chiss were essentially, they're kind of driving because they talk about them making little changes. Yeah. Whereas this, she's like going into a trance and I don't know what she's doing. Like, does it come out as like a, a plan? Like... Hey, go to this spot and go to hyperspace. And- she, she's basically hyperspace Rain Man. Yeah. <laughs> what I took away from it, in a lot of ways, the character is similar because I mean, she's obviously doesn't have a lot of guile and cunning, or she would uh, realize that the Rows are, are not nice people, and maybe she shouldn't be helping them. She's also real old. Yeah. Yes. One thing you didn't mention, I think it could be very important in the story, actually, is that uh, what's the planet? Hestal? Hestal or whatever? Hetzel. That's where they're saying Bacta is being developed for the first time. Yeah, right. Because Bacta also changes, at least historically, Bacta actually is a big change in the galaxy. Mm-hmm. And I, I think this is a little bit of a change from how it used to be. But the idea that this is where they're kind of developing it. This is where it's from. And the, the Jedi, by saving the planet, actually also saved Bacta. So they yeah. kind of saved the future. I, I took the Mari Santeca thing almost, I didn't see it like the Chiss Skywalkers. I saw it more like those other guys in the recent books that I can't remember what they called them, but the, the guys that everybody else in the Unknown Regions picks up to guide them through hyperspace. Spacing Guild members? Wait, wrong series? Uh, they were Pathfinders. Yeah, so she seems like she's a Pathfinder because she goes into the same kind of trance. Yeah. But they go through hyperspace sideways? I couldn't figure that Perpendicular? out. Perpendicular? Perpendicular somehow. Upside down? Backwards? <laughs> yeah, it's it's very... 
I mean, I, I think I read this like right after I watched Tenet. So like I was already I was already <laughs> fed up with nonsense like this. But yeah, I think they're going the way they explained it is they're like instead of taking hyperspace lanes, they're cutting across. Yeah. You know, to, to sure to shave off a few parsecs here and there. Right. And uh, I think I, I don't know. It, it is still very vague. And then in the end, though, whatever these path drives are, they can shoot into hyperspace for like a second and come out. Yeah, little micro jumps. Yeah. Which I actually thought was kind of cool. Like the idea of weaponizing that. Yeah. I thought that was neat. You know, aside from what I think about the modern interpretation of hyperspace, I thought that idea of, of literally using the power of hyperspace to just wreck an enemy Navy was pretty mm-hmm. great. And I like to show the Jedi adapted to it. Like it worked for a few minutes. Yeah. And then they concentrated and they're like, yeah, this is done. <laughs> <laughs> you mean they, you mean they, they worked together and they got something done. Yeah, amazing. It's a miracle. Shocking. What do y'all think Rose doing? Is he just getting Great Storm to try to make a new Mari? Maybe, yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's possible. Nothing came to mind when it ended. I was just like, oh, he wanted a Jedi. I guess I'll find out next time. Yeah, I, I didn't yeah. have any assumptions as to what that might be. However, now that you say it, that kind of makes sense. Uh, yeah, I mean, I just thought, because he talks at some point about, like, before he really takes over... Yeah, if this runs out, I'm in trouble. I got nothing else to provide, whatever. He gets real Don Corleone at the end here. Like, he gets <laughs> super gangster. Yeah. I like that they tried to, you know, they play him as a little, I wouldn't say meek, but they play him as a little more powerless throughout it. Mm-hmm. And then in the end, he just gets gangster on him. In the audiobook, he has a very Malkovich kind of inflection and way of speaking, which makes it all the cooler when he busts out on them he comes off very mild-mannered malkovich until he goes evil malkovich is there a mild-mannered malkovich sometimes for the first half of a lot of movies uh i'm a fan of the vectors yes that is why i wanted to see them and glad i got the warning about not reading the comic first because i really wanted to see a vector that's i was like oh i need to read the comic i like the long beams too yeah they're familiar enough but different enough oh yeah let's talk about that they only work with a lightsaber. I thought that was interesting. That their weapons work off the kyber crystal. That their lightsaber is a key fob. Yeah. yeah. Like keyless entry. Their ships can be can be controlled through the force. Yeah. And, and they're set up to be that way, not just like it just happens that we're awesome at controlling ships through the force. It's this ship is set up that we can control it with the force. Yeah, they did like mechanical mobs specifically so you could force push them and stuff. But I like the thing with the lightsabers because, again, it's more of this sense that they're a more responsible Jedi Order. Mm-hmm. And they're kind of like, they're, they're not going to let some scrub get into their their Jedi Starfighter, you know? So it just, I don't know, it made, it made them feel more official and responsible and, and grown up in a way to like mm-hmm. even just this little thing. And it was just a cool visual idea. Yeah, those would look really neat on a show because they all glow blue or green or whatever. Yeah, so their cockpit right? will be glowing. Yeah. That's really cool. And I think they've promised Squadrons is going to have High Republic content. Yep, it is. Yeah, so maybe get to fly in, uh, in one of these. And then, yeah, and then the, the what are the long ships? Long beam. They look kind of more like U-Wings-ish, kind of. Mm-hmm. They're kind of U-Wing size. I don't know what they're supposed to be. Are they gunboats? Are they, they're not capital ships, right? I took it as like they're not quite as big as like a Corellian Corvette or anything, yeah. but they're like somewhere like they're they're big enough to where they can house a couple smaller ships. Like they're kind of like maybe a bigger uh, ghost. According to Wikipedia, at least they have they have a twenty four passenger capability, and it says they are multi purpose craft that could be used for combat, search and rescue, transport, or other purposes. So yeah, they are kind of like cor- Corvettes, maybe a little smaller, kind of like the U wing, where they can be outfitted to do different things. It's always fun to have new ships. Of course, like some of the first uh, thoughts I had were when I was introduced to a cool character. I'm like, how long until I get a, a Black Series figure? <laughs> I'm sure Ryan's already got a list. There is a Black Series event this Friday at 12 o'clock and they're going to unveil new toys. I'm aware. Yeah. I'm aware. They wouldn't do that this soon, would they? Probably not. Yeah. Like, It'll be way too Mandalorian and... 50th anniversary figures, probably. I want my General Lando, please. Like, we, we literally just got a, a fr- friggin' uh, Asajj Ventress, like, eight years after she was introduced or something. Took them long enough. 
I don't have a Bodhi figure yet, so <laughs> they uh, they take their time. But you're definitely going to get a Great Stone. Yes, you're definitely going to get an Avar, Chris. Yeah. Oh, uh, you'll get a Burry too. You you, you got to get a a, a friggin' uh, Wookie Jedi, and I feel like you'll probably get a Row figure at some point too. Yeah, he's real toyetic. Yeah, and uh, and the other one I would argue is probably Keeve, because Keeve is the lead character in the comics. Yeah. Um, and now we have a name that rhymes with Sheev. <laughs> There's going to be a Kevin figure, and we're all going to get the Kevin figure. The Kevin figure is going to be a limited release, <laughs> Target exclusive, that you're going to end up at, like paying 70 bucks for on eBay. You'll hate yourself, but you'll do it. Or he'll be like a reprint of like Mainframe from G.I. Joe. He'll just be a repaint. <laughs> you know? Oh, actually, I didn't see him that way. I saw him as like, a, I thought, uh, to me, he was like Justin Thoreau. <laughs> like in the uh, Mahone Drive with like the sunglasses, or I guess even Justin Throw in Last Jedi. Well, all right. So we were talking about the comic just a little bit, right? Yeah, just for a minute. Yeah, we don't have to. There's nothing to spoil, really. Yeah, I mean, all I'd say, I, I like the comic. I think it. Like I said, we talked in the last episode. I was really surprised how, if you hadn't read the book yet, I hope you weren't you know worried about spoilers because they go right into it, like. You know who lives, who dies, what happens at the end. I like it. We'll see how it goes. Like I said, there's only one out. We get a little more of a skier. Skier. He's skeered. He's the one that's completely traumatized. Well, he did lose an arm. Like, like. Well, well, and he lost his like best friend or whatever. I think he's going to be integral in some of the bad stuff that happens. Yeah. Test of Courage has a little more of that towards the end. Yeah, I think he's going to be part of it speaking of friends there are a lot of very close friendships that border on romantic there are so maybe the jedi didn't used to be so against that kind of thing i mean obviously we know they didn't in the distant past but well they, they kind of get into that a little bit in the uh like when uh avar and elzer are walking around yeah on the starlight beacon they they pretty strongly hint that like when they were before they became Jedi Knights, they they kind of had a thing, and then yeah. once they were pr- promoted to Knight, like the order's like, okay, you guys stop that shit. <laughs> there was definitely some kind of breathless so- soap opera like moments of like, I can't, you know, I love you, yeah. but I can't. And it was very close to just kind of they're nobly not with each other. It's like remains of the day or something. Oh no, but we mustn't. <laughs> I think it's still frowned upon. I think they are still celibate monks. It's frowned upon, yeah. but it's it's talked about more openly than we've seen in new canon besides the clone wars you mean instead of entirely suppressing that part of their personality they allow it to express itself in other ways and maybe in a more healthy way they're able to carry on is what you're saying as opposed to getting all pent up forever and then killing a bunch of younglings something like that and there's some good talk about anger like they talk about anger is okay like you can be angry it's not bad until you let that drive all your decisions it's really the chillest group of jedi we've ever met it is they're different and there's a variety of them and they have different ideas about the force they have different ideas about what they're doing but they're also just they're just not as big of a tight ass about the rules they have a 16 year old jedi jedi knight yeah it's Vern. that's Vern. yeah there's no way that the the prequel jedi council makes a 16 year old a jedi knight yeah Vern passed the trials when she was 15 yeah obi-wan was still a padawan when he was 25 <laughs> he, he really was and he's supposed to be one of the greatest jedis from that era so well the bar was lower then to be fair yeah. you do look back and you mcgregor is a little old <laughs> <laughs> yeah that braid looks pretty dorky on you at that age bro they just seem looser and they seem not as obsessed with it does seem however that they still have the jedi kind of aversion to seeing the future to visions yeah because it seems like yoda perhaps and and uh, qui-gon a little bit but the jedi seem very 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 anti-divination even though they know it's something they can do they seem to be afraid of it they seem to be afraid of visions. They seem to be afraid of, of trying to see the future. There's just that blanket statement of it's of the dark side, but why? That was one of Palpatine's favorite hobbies. Yeah, it's something Palpatine does extensively. You know, the Jedi are probably right that it's just not a good idea. I don't know. They introduced us to Jedi that were familiar enough. Mm-hmm. They were still very recognizable as Jedi Knights. And I kind of wonder if this is going to be something we see. 
were way more powerful than the Jedi, average Jedi we've seen. Seems like it so far. Yeah. And maybe that's just their unity. Well, that's what I kind of wonder. Like, as they start to fall apart, head towards prequel Jedi, you know, that connection in the that connection in the Force starts breaking. Like an actual definition of unity, not a GOP definition of unity. <laughs> <laughs> if they lose their connection, not only to the Force, but to each other. Yeah. As beings of the Force, that they can't do these amazing things that they do in this book. Because none of them really do it alone. None of them do their amazing things alone. They do them together. Right. And maybe when we get later down the road, you know, they're not, that doesn't seem to be a thing as much anymore. Well, Avar Chris does something that to Jedi of our era seems amazing and impossible, but to her, it's just like, yeah, I just, you know, got everybody together and we push some stuff with our minds. No big deal. She's still considered special for being able to do it though. Yes, it's great that she could do that and it's it's different than anyone else could do, but it doesn't it's not played up like she's some kind of amazing hero and she's immediately put on a pedestal as a chosen anything. Was it Bastilla Shan that could do that? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, it came into other stuff later. I think it was used in the in other legends books later on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I believe it originated from Knights of the Old, Knights of the Old Republic. They definitely seem more powerful. We got some Sentecas. We did, on the Naboo. I like the idea that Lord Senteca, the, the space scout, comes from a whole long line of hyperspace scouts, you know, from like a dynasty. Yeah, but I was trying to figure out like, all right, so they very clearly say they made all their money from doing these hyperspace lanes. Did they really just have Mari back in the day and they just had her kind of locked up and be like, all right, write us down some. And then they'd go sell them. Maybe. Yeah, it's possible. They seem a little evasive. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, they were definitely not and completely forthcoming. And they don't seem real concerned about... No. I mean, they had the idea that Mari is with Roe. Like, they say, surely it can't be her, she'd be too old. And then they just kind of go, eh, and then move on. They're rich, they're, they're fine. That's true. I do like that that's really the only name we hear again specifically i didn't want to hear a dynasty of tarkins or a crap ton of palpatines going back into the past i like that we we hit on the fact that ariadu will kick your ass if you come for them but that's kind of it that scene was crazy <laughs> where he was holding hostage <laughs> i loved it the end too where the ariadu just like kind of sat back and waited and then the republic was like yeah you can have them <laughs> and just decimated them <laughs> And I know we don't want a lot of tie-ins, but you know what I really would have liked to have seen? Well, I think it would have been a cool tie-in is if instead of that, it was Sorrento yeah. and that they destroyed the moon and that's why it was the funeral moon. Mm-hmm. I don't know. There's, there's more books. Yeah. Yeah. I don't mind tie-ins. I don't mind. I don't mind names. I don't mind, you know, certain. Th- uh, yes, I didn't want to see someone named Skywalker. If they make no? sense, great, but just to push it in there, to push it in there, to push a name in there, I don't want that. We know the Staroses are going to be a big thing in the High Republic, too. Oh, yes, they've been mentioned. Staros has been mentioned. Was that in this book, or was that somewhere else? That's in um, Test of Courage, but apparently the Staroses are going to be in... So that's World. a callback to to Santa, right? Yeah. I mean, it's not as much fun to, as, like, to tear apart, like, Freefall, when I just, I just like the book. Yeah, it was good. It was what I wanted yeah. it to be. It felt like... Soul was exactly the right person and hopefully all of these writers are the right people to do this because they kind of got what I wanted out of it. Arian, when's the last time you read a Star Wars novel? It's probably, honestly, the uh, the original Thrawn trilogy. Wow, okay. Like There might have been a few like odd books after that that like, I read one or two of in high school but like those were definitely like the last ones i really remember digging into and liking a whole lot so what made you pick this up mostly that it was a previously unexplored non-skywalker laden uh era era of uh, a galaxy far far away it's kind of the only way you can experience it right unlike unlike you know you can't wait for the movie or something right the only way you can really experience it is to read right now Right. And and you ended up liking it? Oh, a whole lot. Yeah. I was I was pretty conf- confident I would uh, just because it, it was apparent that they put a lot of thought into how they were going to tell, how they were assembling the people to tell these stories. And like they put a lot of like direction into it instead of just like, yeah, we're going to do some more Star Wars. It was definitely well thought out. 
Mm-hmm. I mean, they spent a lot of time mapping this all out. And I think we're going to see something, at least I'm hoping, it, I think we're going to see something that maybe feels like we wanted Aftermath era stuff to be, Ryan. You know, you always talk about how disappointed you are that you didn't feel like it all paid off, all the stuff they were setting up. Right. I feel like it's designed to pay off with the Acolyte. Like, it's all going to lead to that. That's true, because the Acolyte does say it's late High Republic. It's apparently the end of it. Yeah, it says it's like 120-ish years before uh, Battle of Yavin. So right. my theory is you might see some uh, Darth Plagueis in that one. Who knows, though? We'll see what they what their new vision for Darth Plagueis is. They shouldn't have a new vision. They should just use the book Darth Plagueis. Or at the very least, get James Lucino to write it. So Beth, you were down? Yeah, I was. I, you know, nitpick a few things here and there, but overall, I was very happy with it. Just like you, I could have done with the first third of the book being the entire book. I thought the Nihil were a little, eh. I mean, besides a few gimmicks, they're the new Grisk, they're the new Yuzang Vong. It's fine to have some kind of vague space threat out there. I hope they get less vague and become an actual threat. I'm excited to dig more into this. I want to know more about this timeline. I thought it was exactly what I wanted it to be. Fun, but also it felt big, partially Mm -hmm. because of the the great disaster. It it felt big, it felt important, and it felt like something I can really care about the stakes of, despite knowing the future. You know, it's distanced enough from everything that you can just kind of dig in and care about this stuff. I think the planning is there. I think this was a good... It's hard to say smaller story when millions of people die, <laughs> but more, you know, contained versus high mythology kind of thing to get you introduced. I agree with Adrian. I think the Acolyte is going to have Darth Plagueis in it. Really? I think that the Mun were in this book and they are one of the few species that are mentioned outside of the Jedi. And when they showed up, I was like, oh, here we go. Now, I don't know if it'll be all about him, but I think we're going to see the fall of the Jedi in this book, in this series, not this book, but in the High Republic. Well, not the fall of them, but the... Not the fall, but we're going to see where it starts. We're going to see them start to betray what they were supposed to be about. I think there'll be something you can point to in retrospect and say, this is where they started to screw up. Mm-hmm. And and I think a lot of it's going to end up being Yoda's fault, simply because him screwing up with Anakin is not a good reason to go live on Dagobah for the rest of your life. He's got to have done something worse. Or he just wasn't there. He left. Yeah. And it all went terrible. It does feel like they're kind of setting maybe Yoda up to be a little bit of a fall guy. Yeah, that, that's kind of how I'm feeling. Like Not entirely, but just the fact that he's the constant, right? Mm-hmm. Right. You know, well, him and what Yarl Poof, whatever his name is. <laughs> oh yeah, Poof is still around. Yeah. I forgot about that. Oh, cute. You know, I'm surprised we didn't see any yaddle. We don't need to see any yaddle. We're totally going to see some yaddle. Must we? Unless they're getting together and having Grogu, I don't need to see any yaddle. Well, who knows? Maybe, maybe next week we will. We will, because uh, next week we're what we're going to do is we've mentioned it many times, but uh, we're going to talk about two things next week. We're going to talk about the High Republic test of courage by Justina Ireland, which is a middle grade book. Pretty quick read, but as as Ryan kind of alluded to, it's actually a really violent and dark quick read. But then the main event is we're going to read Into the Dark by our favorite Claudia Gray. Technically, it's a YA novel. We all know on here that Claudia Gray novels don't feel like YA novels, even when they're labeled as such. There's a big difference between a Claudia Gray YA novel and Freefall. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's not pick on Alex Segura too much. <laughs> and then that'll probably be everything we talk about until what the summer high republic doesn't come back until like the summer right yeah yeah, yeah. Right. well we do get the great jedi rescue by kevin scott which is a like a literal like kids like picture book for ages five yeah. that comes out tomorrow <laughs> it comes out in a couple days other than the comic books which will be ongoing but absolutely and um, and then we're going to get a new round of books. Uh, I think the next big book's written by Kevin Scott. Yeah, it's the sequel to uh, Blade of the Jedi. And I think that comes out in early June, I want to say. Yeah, I like that they... June 29th, it says. Yeah, I, I like that, that they're kind of swapping them around, right? Kevin Scott wrote the comic, and then he's going to write one of the books. And I guarantee you, Charles Soule's going to write some comics. Because that's what he do. 
And then Justina Ireland is has got a book coming in July that I don't know what age. It doesn't say what age range. Well, it looks like the Test of Courage is a series. It's going to follow, and we'll talk about it next week. But one of the characters okay. is going to kind of keep going. I, I'd like for Claudia Gray to not have enough time to write for a comic, but. Uh... You know, I'd be fine with reading a comic she wrote, too, but I'd rather keep reading her books. Maybe they're going to rotate on who gets the big book after Rising Storm. It definitely got my imagination going and, and made me excited for you know being told the story. And we'll, we'll read a little bit, talk more about it next week. Thank you, super special guest Arian, for joining us tonight. Hope we didn't nerd you up too much or ruin you for memes. No, you guys are fine. <laughs> Where can we find you on stuffs? You can find me on Instagram at, at such a lazy man. It's uh, like, I don't know when this is going to air, but uh, when this is being recorded, a whole bunch of uh, idiots at Reddit are destroying the stock market. So right now it's mostly stock market memes. <laughs> I'm loving this so much. I can't even begin to describe it. It's amazing. Your, your memes your memes are taking over uh, Bernie memes for me for my favorites now. Well, I, I try. And, uh, and and also like, yeah, like the, the Instagram account is like one third memes, one third pets and like one third food. All right. Well, thank you so much for coming on tonight. And uh, thank you everyone for tuning in. We will talk to you all very, very soon. Rec <laughs> Kind of exactly what it sounded like on the audiobook. You have been listening to a Needless Things podcast. You can follow Needless Things on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and at needlessthingspodcast.com. Love you. Mean it. Uh-huh.